Here they come! Welcome to episode 62 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Dave Fox to discuss the unmasking scene from Predator. Two men enter, one man leaves. Hello, Dave. Hello, Eric. Hello. Are you ready to go back to 1987? I'm always ready to go back to 1987. In fact, when I get there, I may not leave. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know from, you know, uh, the great is um, what a big film goer you were in the 80s. Um, so I'm guessing I already know the answer to this. You did see this in theaters, didn't you? I actually didn't because my dad was very conservative and I would not have been allowed to see this yet. In 1987, I would have been 14. Ah, so I would not have been allowed to do this, and I did not sneak into the movies out of fear of the wrath of my father. Right, and uh, had to wait. And I actually did watch it. I wasn't seventeen yet, but a friend of mine taped it off HBO and smuggled the tape into my house so I could watch it at home. Right. See, that's that's the thing. I never ever think of people in terms of ages. I just think of people as people, and I keep forgetting that a lot of people that I know are younger than me. I just think of everybody as being the same. So, yeah, that's quite a surprise when you say, oh, I wasn't old enough to see it, because in my mind, everybody's roughly the same age, but you're not. You're about 10 years younger than me, aren't you? Yeah, I think I do the same thing that you do, too. I don't, I don't ever really think of that. When people are like-minded, you just kind of assume you're all the same age. Yeah, yeah. But back then, when you did see it, um, were you a fan of Arnie back then? I wasn't, and I still would say I'm not. I don't. I don't know if it was like this in the UK, but for for some reason here, you could certainly be fans of both Schwarzenegger and Stallone. But it was almost like a Beatles Stones kind of thing. You didn't have to pick one, but everybody had a favorite, and I was deep entrenched in Stallone world. And for some reason, never really was a fan of Schwarzenegger, except for this. This is my favorite thing that he's ever done, has, you know, ever, ever done. Um, and I think he he does what he's supposed to do in this, which is move the plot along without getting in the way. When he started to try and be funny, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not on board with that because the man isn't funny. No, um, and he's not an actor. Um I think in the UK, no, there wasn't, a, you know, a divide like that. I mean, I think here in the UK, I mean, I, I can only speak for myself and the people that were around me, but Stallone, after he did Rocky and he started doing these action films and stuff like that, you know, the Rambos and stuff, I think there was an attitude in the UK for a lot of people that, yeah, they, they were good in action films, but that was the limit of Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you, like you say, you put him in to a film to be a vehicle to get the plot going but mm. yeah he was never going to win any uh, olivia awards or anything like that was he 
No, he's a prop to me. Yes. Yeah. And whereas I, I, I've always been a huge Stallone fan, and, and not that you started to do this show as a Stallone versus Schwarzenegger argument, but Stallone always had a sophistication to me, and that sounds stupid to some people because he plays these dumb characters, but you have to be really smart to play that dumb. Yes. And you have to be very smart to write as many screenplays as he he has done and be as creative as he's been. He's the only person, I think, in film history to have a number one movie in five decades. Hmm. And an and, and accomplished director as well. Yes. And I could never see Schwarzenegger doing that kind of stuff. And, and, and I don't hold that against him. But for some reason, especially in my young mind, there wasn't place in the world for both of these guys. Hmm. Yeah. And it's dumb. I mean, there's no reason to feel that way, but I guess I cordoned this off for myself that I'm a Stallone guy. I am not a Schwarzenegger guy. And then I saw this, and he, he made me feel a little bit differently, at least in this case. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm i agreeing with an awful lot of what you're saying. I wouldn't say this film was my favorite of his. My favorite of his is The Terminator, the, the, the mm -hmm. first Terminator. Not Terminator 2 when they start putting comedy in it. Arnold and comedy don't go together in my mind. Um, right. but I, I never thought of him as an actor, more as a presence that was in some great films. Right. Um, and I IMD, I, I, I IMDB'd before um, doing my notes for this show. And this film came out in 87. And in 87, there were some terrific films out in 87. I've got a list of my favorite ones from 87. Uh, Near Dark, uh, mm. The Princess Bride, With Nail and I, Full Metal Jacket, Hellraiser, Amazon Women on the Moon, The Untouchables, Empire of the Sun, The Lost Boys, Planes, Trains and Automobiles, Inner Space, No Way Out, and Predator. You know, so so right. you, you, you know this film um, I fell in love with as soon as I first saw it. Um, in fact, I've got an admission here that. Um, Predator and another film that came out that year, you know, um, The Untouchables. I don't know if you remember this, but when films came out on video, they didn't come out to buy to begin with. They went on the rental circuit, didn't they, first? Yeah, you could buy it, but it was $100 to buy. That's what I did. <laughs> and it's funny that you say $100 because this is my admission coming out up. Those two films I, 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 I love very much, and... Um, I bought them. I, I found a place that where you could buy brand new videos. You know, this is before you know this, the the the, the sell-through market. And I and I bought them, and they cost me sixty-five pounds each, which wow. roughly is about a hundred dollars. Yes. Wow, <laughs> that means a lot. Yeah, yeah, it means a lot. And and now it seems bloody stupid. But back then, my justification for it was I like these films. Um, I was single, I was living at home, I had no debts, I had no car, so I had a lot of all this spare money, you see. So, mm -hmm. but, but now I think about it and I wince that I spent, you know, £130 on you know, <laughs> two videotapes that are long gone now, long gone. Right. <laughs> but, that means but, a lot, though, because like <clears> you said, I mean, I listen to that list and there are some good things on there, but uh, this, is, this is probably this and planes, trains and automobiles are two of the best that you mentioned in there and it was a good year that that whole mid to late 80s was just packed full of classic entertainment and this goes really near the top of that list for the mm. entire end half of the decade 
most most definitely i mean we've talked about this before you you and i being ex-projectionists but that was a perk of the job that you could just watch these things over and over again or sequences from these films and get paid for it you know and yeah 87 was a good year for doing that absolutely i like the way you you use it you said he's uh he's a vehicle Mm. or is that how you put it lee that's that's his and i guess in that way he is good at that i'll give him that yeah but he's aided so much in this film because yeah he's a vehicle he's a presence but you know this film you know you've got john mctiernan at the top of his game you know Mm -hmm. i mean this film and what he does a year later in die hard you know i don't think he ever bettered you you've got brilliant special effects you've got brilliant sound design you've got brilliant music brilliant editing um which has a very good example in this sequence that we're going to be talking about today absolutely everything that you said like mctiernan i don't think ever gets enough credit and then he had all these kind of problems later and it kind of derailed his career i would have loved to seen what he would have done had he not had some of the the issues that he had in life yeah, because sure. i don't think he ever he doesn't get enough credit and the the alan silvestri music it's it, everything about this is spot on and it it, it all like you said benefits a guy that uh, knows his place in this movie. I think that's why maybe I like this, because Arnold knows his place. Mm-hmm. And you say you don't like Arnold in comedy, but a lot of this film is really quite funny. I mean, it's hilarious watching it now, the macho-ness of it all. Are you there, Dave? I am. I'm sorry. My phone is ringing. I'm trying to <laughs> yes, mute I'm sorry. it. <laughs> sorry, you, you cut out big time then. I did. I muted it. Because the phone was, my son got it, so I apologize. (laughs) I don't even know why we have a phone anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's never anybody calls on it except for people that want money or something, so I apologize. My my, my two eldest, they've they've got phones, and they they do everything on it except make a phone call. Right. Nobody talks on the phone anymore. (laughs) No, they don't. Yeah, so, no, I was saying, you know, I I love the macho-ness of this film. Um, you know, it is hilarious. And, and and especially, you know, Dutch, he says that they're a cover ops team, that they go in quick and quiet, you know. But at the first sign of the trouble that they have in that camp, they stand in a line and they blast the jungle to pieces, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they're not quick. They're not quiet. They're loud <laughs> as hell. Yeah. And you're right, it's all, this is the most macho, uh, sexually repressed movie <laughs> Ever, especially I was watching clips and and watch the clip we're going to talk about. And there are entire, I don't know, people have probably written their doctorates on the Carl Weathers, Arnold Schwarzenegger midair handshake. I I was thinking of that as you were saying that. That's exactly the image that I've got with their their bulging biceps, seeing who's going to back down. (laughs) Yeah. And all the, even all the other guys in there, everybody in this is toned tan yep. and sweaty yep <laughs> and all, there's some all... there's go ahead no 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 after you there's the the this gatlin gun or whatever jesse ventura has <laughs> it's it's also so phallic and the other guy that tells the dirty jokes which is shane black i yes. think the yeah. the great screenwriter he every time he opens his mouth it's like dripping with sexuality <laughs> um everybody's got their shirt off i it's it's it, on, on one hand if you think about it the way it makes it a little uncomfortable to watch if you're a heterosexual man <laughs> i was going to say to you to you do, do you come out of this feeling very inadequate because i know i did 
<laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> the only guy you can, the only guy that you can relate to is Shane Black. Yeah. And he's just there for jokes. Yeah, he's got a potty mouth. Yeah. It's it's like the old Charles Atlas cartoon. Arnold and all the team are are, are the um you know, the bully kicking the, the, the wimpy guy uh the sand in his face and we're the guy on the floor getting the sand in the face. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, but also the other bonus to this film, I mean it's got an amazing, instantly iconic monster in the Predator. Absolutely. And and I was thinking about it, outside of the Predator and Alien, I can't think of many other post fifties monsters you know, that equal it in instant classic. Maybe Pinhead in Hellraiser. But mm. mo- modern monsters outside of the Alien and Predator, I think, I, think I think they, you know, they sit at the top of the tree there. Yeah, especially when you go into science fiction. If you want to extend it into horror, like you said, to, to Pinhead, there are some classic, new classic horror icons. Mm. But as far as science fiction goes, yeah, I mean, so much so that they made these these awful franchises and video games based off of them. Indeed, they did. Indeed, they did. Um, before we get into the clip, one other thing I'd just like to mention, you know, we were saying all about the macho-ness and everything, and you're looking up at the screen, it's like, oh, and all like this. But last year, I went to Madame Tussauds um, mm. in London, and, and, and as you know, Madame Tussauds, you know, you've got brilliant sculpts, which are you know, physically accurate, okay? And I was very surprised just how short Arnold actually is. Okay. I I mean, I'm six foot two, and I I tower above him. He's got to be under six foot. He must be. I I actually don't find that hard to believe because I, and and six two is definitely, yeah, I mean, you're taller than the average person. That when I've met, with uh, Chris and Tim from Neozaz, they they do a lot of I don't know autograph seeking, star stalking, and often would drag me along. When you get to meet these people and see them eye to eye, you're never that. You're never eye to eye. You no, look no, down no. on these people. <laughs> and I'm not a tall person. I'm five eleven. But I've met Bruce Willis, and he's a tiny little person. And I met Hugh Jackman, and he's a tiny little person. And they use trickery to make these people look bigger than they are. And the and fact they do that they're that on, him. yeah, and the fact that you're watching them on a whacking great big cinema screen, you know, it, it it's just the power of suggestion. You just assume they're big because you're looking at them big, you know. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, and, any, when, and anything that's put online as far as their actual height is a lie. Absolutely. <laughs> I when I worked at the Canterbury Cinema, this old boy used to come in, um, who who was in the industry. He used to work there in the fifties, and he used to pop in. And he was campers Christmas, and I think he had a bit of a shine. He'd taken a shine to me. I, actually, I think I've mentioned about him before when we f- very first, effectively speaking, we did. But he he used to go to all the big gala events and the premieres, and we got talking about Tom Cruise. And he said, oh, yeah, Tom Cruise, very short, very short. And uh, he said something that's always stuck in my mind. And every time I watch Tom Cruise, I think of it. And he goes, oh, very short, man, very short. He'll come up to your nipples. <laughs> so, that's short. <laughs> yeah. Every that's, time that's... I see Tom Cruise, it's like you come up to my nipples, mate. So that's stuck in your head. It has. <laughs> yeah, those guys, Stallone. Those guys are all tiny little people, but yeah. th- through the magic of camera work and whatever else they're doing, they fool a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about fooling a lot of people. Let's get into this film and uh, let's go ahead and have the clip, shall we?
אמרתי, מאדפאקה. So, Arnold, Dutch, he's the last man standing. He's covered himself in mud to hide himself from the Predator's heat vision. He's worked this out, hasn't he, that uh, the Predator can't see him if he's covered with mud. It's, it's excellent, and, and I've seen this copied so many times in other movies now. Uh, so I think that Predator, whether even you like it or not, and I assume I'm sounding like we both do, you have to respect its place in film history because it gets copied a lot, I think. Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, he's made a bunch of traps for the Beastie, and he's just had his first tussle just before the sequence we're talking about today. He's had a near miss, and he's tumbled into the water. Unfortunately, that means that the mud has washed off, and he hauls himself out of the water. He swims across that little lagoon or whatever that is, rested on a log. And our sequence begins as we get that jump moment. Absolute silence broken as those wrist blades come down either side of his head. It's very convenient, isn't it, that the Predator's two wrist blades are exactly the width of uh, Arnold's neck and a little bit. <laughs> it is. I was going to ask you about this, though. I'm wondering, because the Predator is possibly the greatest hunter, or at least that species is the greatest hunters in the galaxy, I'm almost wondering if he knows that that is not going to kill him. Because at that point... The Predator has won. Mm. And what he's about to do and what we're about to talk about is for fun for him. So I don't think he wants to kill him there. I don't think he's trying to kill him with those blades. I've never thought that. The, 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 the thing that I equate this to is a cat playing with a mouse, you know? Yes. He's got, he's got him. He's just prolonging it. He could kill him at any point. At any point. He's, he's, he's got his shoulder gun. He could shoot him at any time. But no, he, he wants sports. That's why he's on Earth for sports. He's knocked them off one by one. The, the, you know, the best man standing is left. And he's going to take his time with him. Yeah, exactly. And, and from that point on, there's, there's this whole little kind of scene where he sizes him up um mm. he's looking at him and it's almost like the predator sees something in him he's mm. gone through this platoon he's the last man standing like you said he's been all over the galaxy and at this point he's gonna have some fun because he knows he's got a somewhat formidable foe he almost respects him almost mm. Mm. he sees a challenge and you see this all the time in movies where guys have guns and one guy will have a gun and the other guy gets him to throw it away because he insults his manhood and he's like come on put your gun down we're gonna fight man to man <laughs> and that's exactly it, what he he makes it even yes yeah it, it, it again is the macho-ness except now it's man and alien but it's still the macho thing going on isn't it yes exactly they're both ma they're both macho and the predator <laughs> like you said he he's he's gonna have his fun before this is over Absolutely. The other thing we didn't mention there is when those blades come down, you know, we have the fantastic Alan Silvestri score comes back big time. I mean, that is a, a, a big factor in this film for me is the score is amazing in this film. It is the the he and he this is after Back to the Future. And he's another guy. We're talking about people who don't get credit. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit. He's doing no. those Avengers movies and stuff. Now, I think he's an all timer that deserves to be up there in the pantheon with these other great composers. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But Arnold he, or Dutch, he's hauled up against a tree, feet dangling. And the Predator goes to face to face 
with him. They go go no well nose to helmet, and you've mm. got this neat clicking noise as he does so. Yeah, the sound effects. I mean, I know that it's a, it's a special effects show. You talk about all kinds of stuff. The sound effects in this scene and that noise in general are amazing. Yeah, yeah. And also, we we have one of these heat vision things, which are, again is incredible. All the way through, we keep seeing the point of view of the predator, but it's through infrared, isn't it? And we get this heat vision. And as fantastic as that visual is of the the heat vision. It's the sound. Every time it goes like that, you you have this bubbly sound effect to, to it as well, don't you? Yeah, and you can hear hearts beating. And yeah. the the sound of the people, even when, when you hear Arnold's voice, it's not his just voice. It's actually raised an octave or two. Yes. Um, there, there's a distortion in everything that the predator is hearing because you can't assume that he has eardrums like we do. And he's hearing sound the way that we do. We don't know how he hears, hears sound. Um, that that's a very good point that I never thought of before. The predator doesn't have ears; he's just got all those dreadlocks. Where are his ears? Then? <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's it. I don't know. I don't know where. I assume we. I think. I think any of us. Anytime I see anything that's reptilian in nature, you as a creature creator, it's almost like you can't put ears on it because I think people would make fun of it. We're used yeah. to our reptiles not having ears. Can you yeah. imagine a snake snake with ears? It would be stupid. <laughs> That, that, so everybody, that, that, I think they would, they would, people would chastise that if it happened. That is the most bizarre thing anyone said to me for a very long time. Can you imagine a snake with ears? <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Dave. I've got a mental image now of, sure. of a snake with big jug ears. It wouldn't be yeah. so scary, would it? A snake wouldn't be so scary if it had ears. No, if it had like these big honking Prince Charles ears. No, forget <laughs> it. Do you imagine a predator with ears? You would just laugh at it. You'd piss yourself laughing, wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. I reckon. I reckon his uh, ears are in his knees, like a locust. That's where I reckon <laughs> they are. Is that where a locust? Is that where a locust's ears are in their knees? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. See now, I'm learning about special effects and biology. Yeah. Well, that's the offshoot show coming. You know? <laughs> <laughs> biologically speaking, with Eric. Biologically speaking. There you go. Right. Right. I'm. I'm going to contact Matt. All right, so so we mentioned the music. We got brilliant music now as the predator drops him um, and he struts off. And it's I, I love this music. You know, it, it's almost like a a rhythm on the drum, as if somebody's going off to the guillotine to be you know dispatched. You know, it's a um, it, it's quite a, a rhythmic uh, piece of score. Um, the predator goes off. He struts off. And he slow again. It's the match on this. He slowly starts undressing, basically, doesn't he? He starts di- disconnecting pipes, mm-hmm. um, and then his shoulder weapon, which almost sighs as it comes off. I've always liked that. There's a sort of a sighing sound when, right. when when that's disconnected from his shoulder pad. Yeah, it's it's very methodical. It's very much a show to intimidate his prey it's gladiatorial and it reminds me sometimes of like those old gladi- gladiator movies mm. that the the music that's used and stuff like that it's it's kind of old-fashioned in a way yeah. in something that at that time was cutting edge i wonder if that was intentional because you know you know maybe john mctinnan does like gladiator films you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe Yes, and uh, yeah, but no, no, it is terrific. And he disengages his helmet and he slowly lifts it off. And I love the fact that we don't see it straight away. You know, the helmet comes off. We have a brief, brief shot of its mandibles before we cut back to Dutch. Um, And then we have 
excellent music as we get our first hero shot of the face. Yeah, I think this this idea, the reveal in anything like this is always classic. And they've done it in special effects movies forever. You don't get to see Godzilla right away. You see his foot. You know, like it's the way that a director, a good director like McTiernan, paces something. Uh, you you want to get into the '80s with Jason Voorhees. Anything, anytime. I think just people in general. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything with a mask on, you just naturally want to see unmasked. Mm. And the fact that they don't show you for such a long time, and even when it's happening, they tease you with it just one more little time. It's great editing it's great directing and it taps into something in our human nature like if you ever see something where the face is hidden you have to see its face mm. that happens yeah. in all those friday the 13th movies the, the guy's dead well he's never dead but you know he's lying there and they have to see his face why do you need to see his face i think it's just a, i think it's just a human thing we're unsettled if if there's some living thing and yes. you, you, you can't read it. You can't read its face. I, I, I'm going completely off tangent here, but I can give you an example that I have seen myself happen is our youngest. As you know, you know I, I'm in the 501st and go off trooping. And uh, mm. our youngest has a Jawa costume. And as much fun as uh, she is as a Jawa and the reaction she gets, Sometimes people are unsettled. If she just stands still and she's got these glowing eyes, so it's just a black face inside a hood, and if she stands still and looks at somebody, they become unsettled by it. You know? Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's exactly part of her human nature. So it's all it is, it's a little girl wearing a mask, but you could scare someone to the bone just because you can't see their face, and they tap into that in this and anything like this. Yeah, I mean, and it's not children that are unnerved. The, the, the guy, we regularly went to a local uh, comic con that we have here, and the guy, it, it was the guy who ran it. He, he, he has said many, many a time to me, oh, I wish you wouldn't look at me because I find her scary. <laughs> you know, and that was a grown yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. it's, it's human nature, and, and they, they uh, tap into it here. Yeah, so, but he's revealed now. We get, I mean, it's a stunning shot, that hero shot of his face. Um, and before you can really, you, you know, drink it all in, we cut back to Arnold and we get that line. Maybe <laughs> one of the most uh, quoted lines in uh, all of Hollywood history now, I think. Yeah, and he does it well. You have to give him credit for it. He does. I mean, you, we were talking about Arnold and humor, and it doesn't really work. This film is full of corny one-liners, you know, stick around and all this business, you know, and it makes you groan because they're like Roger Moore-era Bond one-liners, aren't they? they but are. I, li I like this one. I like this one. It, 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 it just breaks the mood just a bit, doesn't it? It does. Because you've just seen something that has become now legendarily frightening and an achievement beyond achievements, at least at that point and still to now. And they're going to they're going to kind of smack you across the face with with a funny line. It's good. Yeah. yeah, it's well done. And I like the way, you know, it gets a reaction out of the predator because then we get his roar. Um, and as I've said before, when I was a projectionist, I used to time moments you know, and go in and stand at the side of the auditorium and watch these bits. And this piece, this, this I don't know, five seconds, I was fascinated by because he does this roar 
and the music is terrific and the camera pans around him as he goes into this battle mode he, you know he puts his arms out to the side and he thrusts his chest out and i was just fascinated by this like five second shot because that is just you know special effects perfection to me I, I, wonderful you're absolutely right it's it is that roar it's that roar especially coming after the arnold roar earlier that mm. it's not in the clip but that that arnold battle cry when he is prepared for him is is really it gives it gives you a shiver mm. that that long cry and now this is the predator's turn to do that and it's a combination of everything that you just said it's the clicking of those mandibles it's the way his the skin marks smart markings on his body and that he he looks like he's he's wet Mm. Everything about it, and that roar, which is the actor, and I forget the guy's name. I always want to call him Michael Clark Duncan, but I know that's not his name. That's the other guy. Um, he deserves a lot of credit for this because his physicality mm. adds to this. Although once you know that that guy is Harry from Harry and the Hendersons, <laughs> you, you can't you can't unsee it. When when there's a few things that he does in Predator, I'm like, oh, that's that's freaking Bigfoot. Ah, right. Like, every it, it, every once in a while. Interesting you say that because we're going to be talking about that in behind the scenes. But okay. uh, you say the mandibles there, but of course we've got a, a, an extra treat here. Not only does it look terrific, but his mandibles open. Yeah. Um, so what we thought was his mouth is actually like an outer mouth and his mandibles open and then you see his inner mouth. It's amazing. And, and I'm sure you'll get into it in the behind the scenes stuff, but uh, often copied never really imitated mm. this is an original character and an original concept that uh, has and will stand the test of time you're absolutely right because if you think back to previous um you know aliens and monsters nothing looked like this nothing looked like this at all no and the fact that they were going to have Jean-Claude Van Damme running around in a rubber <laughs> suit you know like you no know, no way this is this is this is up the ante in uh, action slash science fiction movies right well we'll be talking about jean-claude shortly as well um Jeez. but yeah sorry <laughs> it's brief <laughs> um but dutch he tries hitting him with a branch which he blocks with his arm and we get another you know quip the whole bad idea and mm -hmm. this is the as i say that thing where he did the roar and the camera pans around him fantastic and then when the predator hits him he, he, he hits him, and then we have a splice, and he's flying through the air. You know, yeah. you don't see you, you you don't see it. You know, in its completion, he's halfway through the air and then lands. You know, right. and and then we've got a brilliant cut to a reverse angle. Uh, um, you, you, you know, because this isn't a traditional fight. Now, this it, 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 there's something special going on here. Yeah, and it is you because of I guess who he was, especially at the time the Schwarzenegger. The fact that you get to see Arnold Schwarzenegger really get his ass kicked mm. also adds to it as well. And that's all the Predator at that point wants. He wants a fist fight. He's getting off on the fact that he gets to fight this guy because maybe he's a formidable opponent. The other people weren't. You don't know whatever happens to Billy. I would always like to see that fight. Billy to me seems like he could go toe to toe with the Predator at least. For a little bit, and you never get to see it. No, and no. here you do, and it's good. And he doesn't. The predator's smart. He doesn't fall for the traps. the The predator has everything over him, and like you said, could end this at any time. 
He's beaten. I mean, you know, they trade punches, but you get the feeling that the Predator is actually pulling his punches. He, uh, Like you say, he could finish it at any time. Yeah. Dutch has set up all these traps, uh, okay, and he knows where one is. He's got a tunnel trap set up, hasn't he, where there's this tiny little gully thing. And, uh, you know, it's, it, uh, if the Predator follows him down, he's going to, uh, he, he's going to you know, trip it. Um mm-hmm. So he goes down into this trap. The predator advances with his wrist blades out. I love that as well. You see a, a, a shot of them going, ching, almost like Wolverine's claws coming out. Yes. And, uh, you know, Dutch is waiting for him to come down, so he trips it. And this is one of my favorite moments. That shot when the predator is sort of, he stops and he sort of like looks at the leaves and he touches a leaf. The, the, the makeup on this mask is just stunning it really is it is too because and i think do they and maybe you'll get into this later do they use the actor's real eyes yes they are yeah see that that adds to it because it makes it even though you know as a viewer this is not real the fact that they use his real eyes and i think that's probably i don't know a lot about movie makeup way less than you do the eyes always blow it for me and the fact that it's his real eyes combined with everything else that they've come up with makes it work. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how the, – the one thing I often wondered is I don't know how he sees that stuff. Maybe he senses that he does eventually feel the one spike with his, with his hand. If he can't see – once he takes the mask off, he can't really see anything. I think Everything's, because – yeah, I think it is because he is a hunter. This is what he would do if the situation was reversed. It's too easy. Why has this guy stopped? There must be something there. And maybe he doesn't see the spikes, but he knows he's meant to go through there. The guy wants him to go through there. Therefore, he's not going to go through there because there's a trap in there. He doesn't have to see the spikes. He's sniffed a rat, hasn't he? Okay, I'll buy that because at that point, when he takes that helmet off, everything is red to him. The, the, yes. heat, the heat coming off of just planet Earth to him he can't process so he would never see something like that let alone there's there wouldn't be any heat coming off it because it's it's dead it's dead wood um but the fact that he's so cunning that he knows that that this isn't right i'll i'll buy that every day yeah yeah and especially as you know you've got dutch there doing the whole do it do it now (laughs) yeah he's he's smelt that rat he has no poker face, Dutch. No, 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 he hasn't. The Predator's figured it out, and he goes around. And I love Dutch's um, reaction from that. You know, Arnold's face <laughs> drops when he's, he's thinking, oh, crap. <laughs> <You know>? mm-hmm. <laughs> this yep. isn't happening. Yeah. But unfortunately for the Predator, he happens to stand directly underneath the uh, bloody great tree trunk that Arnold's um, um, got suspended directly above him. They always stand in the perfect place. They the do, don't they? They do. And and when that comes down, he cuts out and it comes out. That that's a proper Looney Tune moment. That's that's Wiley e. Coyote, you know, getting a rock dropped on him or something, isn't it? Yeah. And that's probably the only problem I have with this scene and maybe the movie in total is that shot of that animated rope going up in front of the screen it's really kind of awful and it's always been awful it was awful in 1987 it's not like it's awful by today's standards it's unnecessary we know we know what's happening we know that there's some kind of pulley system and he's going to get crushed by a tree trunk we don't need to see the shadow of a perfect lasso going up in front of the screen that's that's clearly animated in that always has bothered me about that scene yeah yeah, it is one of those very small niggles, but you kind of allow it because, you know, the rest of it's so great, isn't it? 
It is. It's just, it always kind of, in the middle of something that's really nearly perfect, it just is a little, I don't know, a little speed bump for some reason. I I don't know why they did it, and it it kind of, I remember back then, like, it was unnecessary. Why why do it at all? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, that's it. That's our sequence over. Um, uh, The Predator gets flattened. Um, Maybe we'll come back to The Predator at another time, but this is our sequence over, so... Um, with that over we go into behind the scenes Um, very appropriate you mentioned Billy just then um, because the original script um, had a Native American soldier as the lead oh really okay and that character eventually evolved into Billy so originally Billy was going to be (laughs) doing all this he was going to be the Dutch character yeah yeah okay he was going to be the hero character I could see that coming from the standpoint where I mean, not to get too pandering or stereotypical, but that someone with, that was a Native American would have the, I don't know, genetics to survive and understand hunting and that kind of stuff, the way that Native Americans are portrayed in America. Mm-hmm. I, can see, I can see why they would have went that way. Mm-hmm. I can see why it was taken away from him as well, because, you know, back when the film came out, it was being promoted everywhere as an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. He was a superstar now, you know, he had done his Conan, he had done his Terminator, you know, mm-hmm. he was a big name now, and um, that's how they sold it. They didn't really sell it as a monster film, they sold it sold it as an Arnold Schwarzenegger meets a monster film. Right. Yeah, Yeah, I, I can see that too, and that guy was crazy, that guy that played Billy. Like he was certifiable. I've read you about him. You wouldn't mess with him, movies. would you? You would not mess no. with him at all. <laughs> no, he was in. Uh, what else was he? he? Was in another movie with him. He was in some other movie that we just oh, talked about. Oh, yeah. Oh, what was and, it? And and everyone on the set was afraid of this guy. Like this guy was deranged. Yeah, wasn't he in um, Forty Eight Hours as well? Yeah, he was. I think he was in. And every, yeah. And every, they were like, you don't, don't talk to him. Don't look at him. Don't mess with him. He may have been, you know what? I think he was in Action Jackson with Carl Weathers as well. Right. Cra- the guy was crazy, like scary crazy. So <laughs> I, I, don't know I, that, I, I don't know that he knew the cameras were on any of the time that was know. going on. I, I love actors like that. I love tough guy actors who are tough guys on screen. I love Oliver Reed. I love Richard Burton because, you know, you, it, it, it's not a pretense, you know. They right. were that tough. They, they, they were hellraisers. Yeah. No, this guy was the real deal, I think. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, the producers apparently wanted the Predator to be stop motion originally. Okay. Uh, they liked the stop motion sequence at the end of the Terminator, and they thought maybe it could be done that way. But also, but apparently Joel Silver, he was very fond of Transformer toys, so that hmm. was an, a, a, another reason for trying stop motion. Okay. All right. That that would have been. I mean, I'm glad that that didn't end up happening because I think you would have ended up with stuff like what we talked about on RoboCop. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, I think the I, fact that it was a man in a costume to me is always going to be better, and uh, maybe that's the old fashionedness in me and and people our age t- talking. But I'd much rather see something that's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, the the man in a suit idea was initially nixed because of a film you know that you've mentioned before on the great is um, the failure of Enemy Mine at the box office. Oh. That kind of put people off of. Uh, people in alien suits, apparently. Really? Yeah. So, and Enemy Mine, 
affected or could have affected the way Predator was made. That's what I'm saying. Wow. I don't have a problem <laughs> with the way Lugasset looks in Enemy Mine. I think that makeup is amazing, too. I, I think he looked amazing, but I think it was just the fact that it didn't succeed at the box office and they went, oh, it's because the public didn't like a man in a suit. There was nothing wrong with a man in a suit. No. I don't think Enemy Mine didn't succeed at the box office because of that man in the suit. I think it was just a weird movie. It was, it was like a weird this, movie like, and it had a bad ad campaign and everything. They didn't really know how to market it. They didn't. It was in, I love that movie. It was just they didn't have an audience. It was two and a half men before Charlie Sheen and John Cryer. Like right. these just two bachelors swinging on a planet and one of them has a kid. And now it's, <laughs> you know, my two dads. Yeah. Hmm. All right. But anyway, eventually they decided not to go stop motion and they did decide to go with man in a suit. And to begin with, they saw the Predator as very tall. And the first idea was to build a Predator suit in which a man could be sat on another man's shoulders. To get the necessary height on location, if you can believe that, you know? <laughs> that would not that would not have been easy to wield, especially when you're filming in a jungle as well. You know? Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. glad if there was a horse, it wasn't like a two men in a horse costume. One was the butt and one was the head. Like there was these ideas that they're coming up with. I'm glad none of them worked. Well, this was an initial idea, and I think that didn't last very long before they thought, oh, no, this is nonsense, you know, move on. Um, and so they, they looked around to see who could do a traditional one. They, they approached Rick Baker, but he was busy on Harry and the Hendersons at the time, okay? Oh. That's I why see. he didn't do it. Now, there's going to be uh, mention of that film again in a minute. Um, mm -hmm. And then Richard Edland of Boss Film Corporation, he took on the job of the suit, um, as well as doing the suit, he also had to do the pyrotechnics and the uh, skinned corpses that you see hanging from the trees. Okay. Oh, they're good. They're, he's good at horror. And those things, I remember being uh, at a young age, those were disturbing. Those mm. bodies hanging in the trees, disemboweled. Good stuff. Yep. Yep. They are terrific, you know. So, yeah, Boss Film, they, they, they beaver away. They make the suit according to, you know, the producer's instructions. The Predator suit arrived on location in the jungles outside uh, Puerto Vallarta and uh, they opened the crate and <laughs> I'd love there to be um, video footage of seeing everybody's faces because, um, yeah, the reaction was less than enthusiastic, okay? Um, <laughs> the original Predator was seven foot tall. It, it sort of had an exoskeleton, a bit like, you know, the alien does. It mm -hmm. had... Uh, it, it, it kind of looked insect-like. It had a head that kind of resembled a, a steer's skull. I've, I'll put photos up on, on Facebook. And it had large large mandibles, but in the way, you know, an ant might. And uh, bulbous eyes, okay. So that's what it looked like. Um, but John McTiernan and Joel Silver, overriding the objections of Richard Edland, had insisted that it had leg extensions and a third leg joint. So basically they wanted a guy in stilts having another knee as well okay <laughs> okay now, i can only meant... imagine you said like they open the crate they're all standing around the crate they open the crate they're all excited and they'll just go oh we're in like trouble the, <laughs> like like the dad in a christmas story opening his uh, prize and it's the <laughs> leg lamp so the predator was the leg lamp of science fiction basically yes yes um and you know it's like well no, nobody can walk around in this unaided and they figured out the only way that they get 
around that was to hang the guy in the suit on wires and basically puppeteer him. That's easy in the jungle, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, you've already mentioned the man in the suit, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Okay. Good Lord. Yeah. Now, complications, they were compounded when he was dismissed. There are varying uh, um, accounts to why he left. Some say he walked out, some say he was fired, and the reason he was fired, they vary as well. Okay. Okay. So he walks off the set. Okay. He's out of it. His place was taken by a stuntman, and we're back to size again, who was considerably larger than... Jean-Claude Van Damme and couldn't fit in the suit. Yeah, I bet he's a tiny little guy too, like big yeah. but tiny, like short. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. sucks so much, you know. And I, mean, I don't, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I know I hate the fact now that there's this rebirth and this this almost Tommy Wiseau like love of JCVD because he's taking shots at just how bad he is and how bad he's always been. I don't. I don't get that at all. Like you don't. You, to me, unless you're Tommy Wiseau, you don't get celebrated if you suck your entire <laughs> life. That's. Well, I mean, I cannot stand that guy. He's never made a second of a film that was worth watching. I totally agree with you, Dave. I'm not a fan of VD, and I never will be. Especially other kinds of VD. Sorry. Yeah, all kinds of VD. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, here, here, at effectively speaking, we say no to VD. Oh, right, that's going on a T-shirt. That's going to be a Patreon <laughs> T-shirt exclusive. Yes. You you heard it here first, folks. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so not only does your, you know, actor walk out, the person um, who takes his place can't get in the suit. To make it even worse than that is that um, the test footage was done without the use of the wire rig, okay? Mm. Um, and in broad daylight, rather than in, in the shadowy jungle that it was designed for it looked ridiculous okay <laughs> so he can't fit in it and when you do hire him up you can see the wires everywhere to make it even worse than that okay they decided to use the color red for generating mats for the optical effects you know the times when you see the predator running and you've got that nifty you know camouflage effect mm -hmm. they chose red because there's not much red in the jungle okay so uh the suit had to be red but when it arrived it was the wrong shade of red <laughs> this so, whole thing is a comedy of errors it, it's a total comedy of errors and and they basically they run out of time they as you know the predator is 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 in its physical form that you actually see it he's he's only in the last what you know 20 minutes of the film um and they had reached that point in filming. At this point, they had run out of time. They can't do anything with this suit, okay? They can't do anything. It's a complete balls up. So, you know, filming was stopped. Everyone went back home, okay? Everyone went back to the US. Um, Boss Films dropped out, and that's when Stan Winston Studios was hired to redesign the Predator from scratch, okay? It's like, all right, come up with a better one what we'll do is that we'll then go back and we'll film this last segment of dutch versus the predator okay oh my goodness so so there are two totally different major creators going on in the same movie yep 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 oh, and man. the first creators i mean it's not their fault they 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 did what they were told. This is the design, make it. They go there and then we had all the other complications. It wasn't their fault. I mean there is a still 
where the the, the predator doesn't look too bad. It's nowhere near in the same league of you, you, you know uniqueness as you know what we've finally got. But it doesn't look mm. too bad. But it was yeah no, it was a complete cock up. Okay, so Stan Winston Studios they were given the job. Okay, um, he and his crew uh, Shannon Shea, Matt Rose they took six months to develop the alien as we now know it. Okay, six months. This is six like during months. filming. No, no, filming had stopped. They had they, they had finished filming. They couldn't do any more because all they had left to do was the Dutch predator confrontation. You see, everything oh, else was my done. Goodness. Everyone else else packed up and went home. Okay, so it took six months to to um, um, you know create this alien. And then they flew this new predator suit and Arnold. Uh, instead of going back to where they were before, they went to a place called Palenque. I think it's called. It's just north of Guatemala. Okay. Now, in- instead of a very short VD and you know a, a larger stuntman, now the man that you uh, were trying to remember the name of, Kevin Peter Hall. Kevin Peter suit. Hall. Okay. Yes. Yeah. They, Who, he's he's not Michael Clark Duncan. Kevin Peter Hall, and they're both dead. So yes. this is going to screw me up forever. See, I only know him from this film. A, a friend of mine, when I was in the cinema at the time, knew him from something called Misfits of Science TV show. Oh, yeah, with Courtney Cox. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, he, he was in the suit. He had just finished working on Harry and the Hendersons. You know, the, the film that stopped Rick Baker working on it actually <laughs> resulted in this delay, actually resulted in Kevin Peter Hall get, getting the gig to do The Predator. That's funny. It's funny how things like that work out. Like they couldn't do, he couldn't do it because of Harry and the Hendersons, and he ends up doing it with the guy from Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> I love it when stuff like that happens, and he's in the movie too. He is. He's at the end, isn't he? He's one of the helicopter rescue crew at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's cool yeah. they got him. They got his face in there. That was good. Yeah. Now, originally, um, this final Predator design that we know, the mask that he wears, that you know, quite uh, plain. Uh, slab-like mask. Um, it was much more elaborate to begin with, but Joel Silver hated it. Uh, um, mm. And and he said that it was such a complicated design, it would lessen the effect when the Predator finally removed the mask. Okay. Yeah, that's true. It's a good... It's a good I love Joel Silver. Chris and I have always been huge Joel Silver. It's it's like we would watch a movie. You'd watch a movie and be like, damn, that was a good movie. And at the end, here would come the silver pictures you know, thing. Like It just turned out that this guy was responsible for all of the great movies that we loved as kids. I love Joel Silver. He's probably a scumbag like everybody else in Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood. But, man, does he make good movies. Yeah, and especially now. I mean, this is the golden era for him, isn't it? All, you know, the mid to late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the mask, it was redesigned to be more simple and plain. The original rejected mask was later used for one of the, um, uh, for, for, for the hunter in Predator 2, and it, mm. it would go on to inspire the masks in all those awful, um, you know, Predator versus Alien films. Yeah. Yeah, the thing, good things come to an end. This should have ended in 1987. Yeah. I don't need yeah. to see anything else after that, please. You don't need it. You, you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Predator's blood was originally going to be orange. Okay. All right. Uh, the green's better just because orange is pretty close to human. I mean, it's it's too close to our blood. The it's green too close is nice to red, and, isn't it? Yeah, and the green, they also add that fluorescence to it. It's great. Perfect yeah. choice. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason they didn't go with orange was it didn't show up too well in the dark scenes. They they, they had a problem with how how can we see this in the dark? I mean, in this sequence, you know, you see the his blood dripping on leaves and stuff like that. Do you know what they used for the blood? I do not. If you go to the fairground and stuff like that, you've got these glow sticks. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all what it is? that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so when they, it glows in the movie, that's not enhanced? It's just like a glow no, that, stick? No, that or is they... glowing, yeah. They found that by heating it up, the brightness could be increased by two or three times on a, on a light serious? meter. Yeah. That's pretty so that's, cool. Huh. Yeah, that's a practical effect. I had no idea. That makes it even cooler. Yeah, yeah. And you just uh, assume, I mean, we're, we're like entrenched into the idea that aliens have green blood. Spock had green blood. Like, yeah. that's what we think of having aliens. If it had been orange, you know people would have been like, the blood should have been green. <laughs> Yep, I think you're right. Right, the the voice of the Predator was by a guy by the name of Peter Cullen, who was reluctant to take the job because he was the voice of the 1976 King Kong, okay? Uh, and he injured his throat, roaring so much for that. Uh, well, uh. you know, sack up, buddy. That's your job. <laughs> he eventually accepted because uh, he saw a picture of 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 you know the the creature without the mask on and that's when he w- he he decided to you know get on board um the clicking and gurgling sounds that the predator makes uh that was thought up by him um and the reason he went for a cl- clicking and gurgling sound was uh he remembered he, he he thought the predator looked a bit like a horseshoe crab mm, yeah i can see that yeah and he remembered as a child how he would turn one over and they would kind of like gurgle that's why he's done, like, the gurgling sound for it. What was this guy doing in his childhood that he was torturing horseshoe <laughs> crabs? He's a, yes. a serial killer. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I've got to look Jeez, into him but... and see see what he did. Yeah. Um, and what was sound... he doing? Like, he's, he did, he decided, well, I'll, I'll take the job. What, what else was he doing, this guy, besides I'm... torturing animals? I'm going to look into this and, and put it up on Facebook because that's that, that that's a line of inquiry I I never did for the for this show. So yeah, Peter Cullen, horse crab torturer. What else did you do? <laughs> horse horse crab whisperer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the sound editors uh, they called the Predator's shoulder gun the parrot gun because when it moved independent of the Predator while aiming, it reminded them of. Apparently, Peter Sellers with a rubber parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> now, I know what they're talking about. It's one of the Pink Panther films where he's a, in one of his, you know, Inspector Clouseau's u- usual terrible disguises. He has got a rubber parrot on his shoulder that does bounce around a lot. So, yeah, that was the parrot gun, apparently. <laughs> okay. I love, I love the nicknames on set of things. That happens a yeah. lot in Star Wars. The stuff uh, that they call it on the set, it, it's always good because it's exactly what you know, people would call it if it didn't have a name. Yeah, and no, they're always they're always better names than what the EU come up with. And you know, exactly. And all these, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, the mandibles that we were talking about earlier—that um, was the idea of James Cameron that the mouth should open like that. James Cameron, what's yep. he doing around? Well, he's a, he was a mate of Arnie, wasn't he? So and Stan Winston. So um, yeah. All right, James Cameron, keep it in your pants. <laughs> Um, the studio wouldn't... Uh, here we go, a bit of projectionist talk now, Dave. The studio wouldn't allow John McTiernan to film the to, to, to film it in scope. 
due to the complexities of the optical effects, okay? Um, And as a sort of retaliation, um, he added a scope version of the film's Fox logo um, (laughs) to it. And and you know what it looks like. If you you show a scope film in widescreen instead of scope, you know, um, it, it hasn't been stretched out, has it? No, <laughs> and vice versa. So he, did, so he did that as a fu to the people for not letting him shoot yeah. it in scope. All good action movies are shot in scope. I mean, you know this like I do. Yeah. When you you get a you get a movie that does like My Best Friend's Wedding, that can be in flat. But if mm. you get Predator, it better be in scope. I don't want to see an action movie in flat. See, this is why it was like two fingers up to Fox. You know, that's why he put a scope <laughs> Fox logo at the front. I think we better explain to. Uh, <laughs> well, everybody else that's listening, you know, um, a scope film is filmed. If you actually physically look at the film, the image on the film you're looking at is squeezed and very tall and, and, and you know, all squeezed together. And the, the anamorphic lens pulls it out into the letterbox shape that we then see on the screen. If you don't do that and show it with a regular widescreen lens, it's still all squeezed. And that's why the 20th Century Fox logo at the beginning is too tall and too thin because it hasn't been pulled out because it's a scope image. I don't think I ever noticed that. And I probably should have. I don't think I've ever noticed that. Call yourself a projectionist. I know. About that logo, (laughs) I've never never noticed that, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One last thing I've got is Mythbusters. They prove that covering yourself entirely in mud doesn't, in fact, conceal your body heat. I remember that. I love Mythbusters. They'll put Mm. that on for an entire day. They'll do a marathon, and that's a day that you just waste because you can sit there and watch that show all day. I love that. Yeah, I do remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it doesn't work because after a short time, the mud on your skin becomes warmer because of your body heat, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, okay. we did. Now, now that you're saying some of the stuff we did years ago, an episode of our '80s podcast, The Grady's, we did Predator, and as you were saying some of this stuff, I remembered it. But I'm glad to have this refresher because you definitely added things that I don't remember finding when we did that episode. It was a fun episode, and I think we all gushed over it for probably an hour and a half. But uh, yeah, I, I, some of that stuff was new to me, so good stuff. Yeah, I, I I urge anybody out there who hasn't gone to neozaz.com go, go go and check them out. There, if if you're a film of fan, uh, a film of fan, fan of film, or sorry, the beer's getting to me. Um, if you're a fan <laughs> of a f- film and genre and whatever, go to neozaz.com. There's some amazing podcasts out there that, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that'll float your boat, no problem. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> plug over. Right, with yeah. plug over, can we get onto the rating then, Dave? Absolutely, please? yes. What What do you reckon? So, out of ten, I'd say the only thing that I can even think to criticize here is that stupid animated rope. <laughs> That's not much to really complain about. It's it's a perfect scene. We went through it. <sighs> step by step and there's nothing that you could say well they could have done this better there's nothing that they could have done better um and i hold that up to today's standards too if this was going on today they would not do it this way and the film would suffer this has become classic and legendary and was ahead of its time and was state of the art and looking at it now if you put this in a movie that wasn't cgi i think people would still go with it and say that's really damn good special effects and that means something 
this is this is 30 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. This movie's 30 years old, and it looks, if you put this on screen today, as good as anything else that's out there now. And taking a, a little tiny bit away for that stupid animated rope, I'm going to give this a 9.5 out of 10. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> stupid rope. Um <laughs> Um, I haven't. I, I I can forgive the stupid rope. Um, if if you know if if that's the only niggle, you know it, it, it's high class. I mean, it's a it's a classic scene. You got the the action, the design, the sound effects, the music, the editing. They're all top notch. I I'm giving it a ten. There you go. Which gives it a nine point seven five. That's high marks. Incredibly high marks, but what you said there, you know, I I, I think you're right. If if you had a um, a re-release of this film, as you say, it's thirty what thirty one. It's coming up for thirty one years now. Yeah. If you put this on, you know, to a load of twenty year olds that had never seen it before, I don't think they all even think that there's no CGI in there. It holds up that well, apart from the it rope. does. Yeah, the only thing that you could probably improve, and it wasn't in this scene that we talked about, is his camouflage, which really kind of just looks like, I don't even know what that is. They just took the shape of a thing and distorted it. So, And it, I like the idea of the camouflage, but I think that maybe falls flat by today's standards. But everything else in this, yeah, you could definitely show this to a uh, uh, group of high school age kids and they would be cheering and high-fiving and saying how badass it is mm, yeah okay all right that's a very high mark um so yeah anyone go over to facebook and just see where that fits on our chart that's uh, ever growing okay all right well thanks for today dave thank you it's always a pleasure all right and uh yep yeah, see everyone soon <laughs>